The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what is going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers episode 88. Uh, the short story at the end of today's episode will be exposed. Everything's going to be kind of short today. It's early in the morning. I'm tired. Uh, actually, I'm not tired. I'm pretty wired. Today is a big day. I get all the copies of Pandemic in today. Uh, try not to die in the pandemic. We got the paperback proof last week, and now I have all the ones coming in today. So pretty excited about that. Also getting Beyond Brightside paperback today, too. And that thing looks pretty awesome. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a pretty exciting year, man. This is uh, four books in a year. Granted, the Try Not to Die on Brightside, Try Not to Die on Pandemic, they're about half the size of a normal book, about forty to 45,000 words. Untold Mayhem, I don't know, I think that was like 60,000 words. And so they're not super big books. Uh, Beyond Brightside's about 70. All fast-paced, but people are loving them, so that's super cool to see. Uh, with Beyond Brightside, I put that up on NetGalley's audiobook program, which is awesome. I uh, got, I think, 90-plus reviews on Untold Mayhem from there. Um, a lot for Try Not to Die on Brightside. With Beyond Brightside, I was a little bit worried putting it up because that is the sequel to Brightside. If someone hasn't read Brightside before or listened to it, I didn't know how they would take this one. So I made sure to put it up front, like, okay, yeah, this is the sequel, the exciting sequel, sequel, sequel. Um, but one of the first reviewers, Sam, she just didn't see that stuff. She didn't notice it. She listened to the whole thing, and she still really enjoyed it, which was awesome. So knowing that it works all on its own is really cool. So anyone that does check it out without hearing Brightside first, they're not going to really miss out on too much. So that was really cool to hear. Um, she was in between jobs right now, doesn't have money for audiobooks, so I gave her a copy of Brightside. So I'm anxious to see what she thinks of that. It's a different narrator. T. Quillen narrated all my early stuff. I mean, I really enjoyed T's version of Brightside. It was really good. Uh, Darren just takes it to another level because he includes all the different voices he does are awesome. The sound effects he does for the voices that the Joe hears are cool, but it's the all the stuff that's coming over the radio or the TV or uh, telephone or whatever. He just does a really cool job with those sounds. So if you haven't checked that out, I believe that audiobook is out everywhere now. It may not be out on Audible yet. Uh, they might still be approving it, but all other sites should have it. So that's out. The paperback's out. I have not released the ebook yet for Beyond, but I will be doing that. Uh, this week I've also been doing a ton of business stuff. I am finally getting my business into shape. I want to get a lot of readers, a lot of listeners. So I need to make the right choices. I've always kind of put marketing on the, on the back burner, business on the back burner. Never really had a good strategy. Uh, but I'm turning that all around because I do want to uh, get my stuff out to a wider audience. Not only so I can make money, but I want my co-authors to make money. And I want to spread the stuff that I have. Um, another cool thing I got going on is Morsels of Mayhem. So that is only the three short stories. So we got Stuffed, 
the rules and 31 others which is the 31st story in uh 25 perfect days and then i also have paying the price the non-fiction article about my brain damage so and at first i wasn't sure if i was going to include that one but i realized like that's an important story and hopefully you know people that are just there for the fiction maybe they won't even read it but i bet there are going to be some people that are going to read it they're going to see some stuff in themselves or a loved one and hopefully it will give them a little bit of hope or awareness so that's why i'm including that that's why i'm excited about putting that out uh next week as well so i will be also putting that out on i believe thanksgiving maybe a little bit before stuffed is a thanksgiving story so that's the why i was rushing that one and again on the business end of things not very smart for me to hurry up and just throw out an audiobook or an ebook a couple days after beyond brightside but whatever I, i'm realizing i'm going long term i could promote these books whenever i want <clears throat> and now that i'm really building my brand i have a lot of stuff out there um whatever so that's the nice thing about it being an independent author if i was under someone if i was traditionally published we wouldn't be seeing this short collection we probably wouldn't have all this coming out in one year so definitely one of the benefits of owning your own business making those kinds of decisions but it definitely takes a lot of work but i'm up for it um the other thing i've been working on this week i uh, went over the start of a try not to die that my buddy ken is working on takes place in stanford stanford university like uh, late 60s early 70s so that one's going to be pretty awesome uh he's writing the full story then i'll come in and tweak it put my take on it help guide it or whatever but he's he's coming up with that he's coming up with the characters so that's pretty exciting and then i've been working on steve montgomery super high well, we still have a good amount of work on it but i'm doing my share of the work now now that pandemic's done beyond bright tide's done going on that from there i still need to work on the brain book um but i'll jump in and out of that and what else do we have um the bridge i really do want to get onto the bridge but i'm going to wait until super high is done um and that shouldn't take me that long so definitely busy uh can't think of much else that's going on plus i need to get my sons ready for some distance learning so can never have enough distance learning right um all right guys so let's do this let's go out on untold mayhem this story is exposed hopefully you guys enjoy it and i will be back next week should be on tuesday and i will have a brand new episode with a very special guest. All right, guys, have a great week, and I will talk to you later. Peace. Exposed. In all his years of drinking, Les had never felt this bad the morning after, or this thirsty. Even with his eyes closed, the light was too bright. He must have forgotten to close the blinds before he left to go hunting. Must have forgotten to turn on the air, too, because it was hot as hell. Actually, it was hotter than hell, and he realized he wasn't in his bed. Les eased open his eyes, and the sun temporarily blinded him. He was lying on the desert floor, the left side of his face buried in the sand. He tried to lift his head off the ground and found it much harder than it should have been, only able to raise his head an inch. This wasn't the first time he had blacked out and woken the next day with no recollection of the previous night, and the odds were that it wouldn't be his last. Les was many things, 
and he hated to admit full-blown alcoholic was one of them. He tried to push off the ground and found his hands were stuck behind his back. He wiggled this way and that, curled his hands so his fingers felt the plastic tie binding his hands together. He was handcuffed. Les attempted to stand, but his legs were pulled toward his back, his feet shackled together by his butt and connected to his wrist. Some son of a bitch had hogtied him. From the feel of it, it was already late morning, and late morning in Las Vegas during the third week of August was no time to be outside, especially for a red-headed Irishman. It had to be already 108 degrees, and he was obviously dehydrated. Les hated Vegas. He hated the heat, hated the desert, hated the people, hated the money. He would have stayed in Massachusetts forever if it hadn't been for his legal problems. Vegas was a big town, easy to disappear in. He wriggled around to test the bonds and realized he was naked. He had been completely stripped, not one stitch of clothing left to cover him. His entire right side was burnt bright red, his freckles standing out an angry dark brown. There was also something spread over his entire body. In the places that weren't covered with sand, his skin had a greasy sheen to it. It looked and smelled like baby oil. He had to get some shade soon, and some water. God damn, he was thirsty. His clothes weren't anywhere on the hill he had rolled down, his track obvious. No wonder his body hurt so much. He almost forgot about his headache, the right side of his head throbbing so hard it felt as if it might burst. He didn't see any rocks on the hillside that he might have hit his head on, but something had hit it. This wasn't a hangover headache. There weren't any rocks on this side, but he hoped he could find something sharp enough to cut the plastic tie binding him. He couldn't turn around because of the way he was bound, so Les threw his head back and his thighs forward in a modified curly shuffle. Although he had barely moved, the pain was tremendous, and he had to keep doing it until he could see behind him. He couldn't just wait for someone to stumble across him. Les jerked again and again. He stopped and closed his eyes, trying not to throw up all over himself. He checked his surroundings, saw he had only moved half a foot, nothing but sand in sight. Les rocked and used the momentum to drive him forward on his next jerk. Now he was moving, sick as a dog, but moving. The desert floor was spinning, his equilibrium upset. Last night's dinner gushed out his mouth, shooting onto the sand, wet chunks splashing back on his face and neck. The rancid smell caused him to heave again and again, until nothing was left. Les spit out the strings of vomit still in his mouth. He was extremely dehydrated, especially now, but swallowing his own puke was out of the question. The steaming pink pool sat inches away. The chunks of undigested beef were a reminder he'd been eating a double cheeseburger and large fries while parked in his van across the street from the park. He had washed the whole meal down with an extra large strawberry shake and countless coors. Everything was still a blur, but that had to be what got him in this situation. Les should have known better than to visit the same park three weeks in a row. The temptation of his past success there had been just too much to resist, and now he was paying for it. The puke had completely dried up in under a minute. He had to escape. Les resumed his naked Three Stooges routine, 
jerking away from his undigested dinner. When he stopped and opened his eyes, he was discouraged to see there was absolutely nothing on the horizon, just mile upon mile of sand stretching as far as he could see. Whoever had rolled him down the hill must have driven him to the outskirts of the southwest. That was one of the funny things about Vegas. Drive fifty yards down a dirt road, and the next thing you know, you're in the middle of the desert. He was discouraged that he'd have to walk up the short hill, but he was relieved to see a basketball-sized boulder lying a couple of feet from his head. With any luck, he might be able to use it to cut through the tie, but first he had to get there. After summoning his strength, Les jerked and rocked, rocked and jerked, over and over, until his hands touched the scorching surface of the boulder. He had to take a break before he tried anything else. Just reaching the rock was an accomplishment. He knew the dangers of living in the desert, had studied it before he made the miserable move. There was no doubt he was suffering from heat exhaustion. The heavy sweating, in those places where the pores weren't clogged by sand and baby oil, the weakness and tiredness, the dizziness and nausea, the muscle cramps and spasms ripping through his abdomen, arms, and legs. He'd lost so much water and salt from sweating his balls off, and he was already dehydrated from the beers. Heat stroke couldn't be too far off. The practical joke, or whatever it was, had gone from being a major pain in the ass to a life-threatening emergency. He could die if he got heat stroke. He needed water. He needed shade. He needed to get the fuck out of his restraints. Even though the pain in his shoulders was nearly unbearable and his skin was being rubbed raw on the scorching sand, Les moved back and forth, up and down, in a continuous circle, furiously rubbing the plastic over the sharpest edge of the rock. The fiery lactic acid buildup inside his shoulders soon matched the blazing intensity of the sun. Finally, the tie frayed. A few more seconds of rubbing broke it completely. Les flexed his legs over and over to pump blood into them. He dug his heels into the burning sand and pushed himself upright, ignored the dizziness and the new wave of nausea. The outer half of his right leg was lobster red with a couple patches blistering. Les tried to get his hands in front of him by slipping them under his butt, but he was too inflexible. He found the rock with his fingers and maneuvered the sharp edge against the plastic binding his wrists. Even the thinnest part of the rock was too thick for the job, and it rubbed against both wrists. Ever so slowly, Les moved his hands back and forth over the rock, ignoring the layers of skin peeling off his wrists. He picked up the pace and felt the tie give a little, his work lubricated by the blood seeping through the scrapes. Les looked for some kind of marker over the top of the hill. Depending on which way he was facing, he should be able to see the top of a casino, part of a high-rise, something. All he could see was the oppressive, clear blue sky. It didn't matter, because a minute later his hands were free, wrists bleeding onto his lap, but free. Now all he had to do was get his legs free, and he could get out of this hellhole. The cuts on his wrist weren't deep enough to be life-threatening, but what worried him were his arms. He usually sweated like a pig, but now there wasn't a drop on him. Not on his arms, not on his forehead. Nowhere. Heat exhaustion was progressing to heat stroke. There was a huge bump on the right side of his throbbing head. When he brought his hand down, his fingers were spotted with sticky blood. 
Whoever had bound him had beat him, but he didn't know who or why. Les used the bloody rock to saw through the tie binding his feet and tried to remember what had happened the previous night. The pile of puke reminded him he'd been eating in the van while he waited. He had been waiting for a long time. There had been a lot of kids coming and going from the park, but they were all in groups. Things started to come back to him. He'd polished off a whole 12-pack when the car pulled in behind him. If he'd been smart, he would have taken off immediately, but there were some good prospects playing on the swings. They were a little younger than he usually preferred, but he was so horny that he was anxious to grab anyone. And he didn't even have to do anything with them. Even if he only flashed one or two kids, he would have been okay until the next week, or at least three or four days. The rock sawed through the tie and bit into his ankles, ripping less out of the memory. He tossed the rock and got to his knees. The hill was only about five times his height, but steep enough to instill doubt about his ability to scale it. To quench his thirst and get some fluid in his dry mouth, Les put both wrists against his parched lips and sucked. The blood was salty and warm, but it was liquid, something wet to clear the sand and puke. It would have to be enough to get him to the top of the hill. After that, he could walk to a house or flag down a car. Someone would help him. Every step was torture. The sun was directly overhead, the sand was fire, the incline, a wall. But he had to keep going. Using his hands as his guide, Les closed his eyes and climbed the incline like a bear. Eyes closed, the dizziness minimized, he took his mind off his body and returned to the night before. It was the car that pulled up behind him, the guy that got out. The cop. A cop did this. The memory was still fuzzy, but he remembered looking through his side mirror and seeing the cop creep alongside the van. By that time it was too late to run, but Les had time to get his ID ready. At least he thought he did. When he closed the glove box and sat back in his seat, the cop was staring at him through the window. The cop hadn't bought the fake ID and demanded to see the wallet, which Les handed over. Upon the discovery of Les's real driver's license tucked away behind some business cards, the cop ordered Les out of the van and had him wait in the patrol car while he ran his info. Sitting in the back seat, Les had been worried about violating parole. When the cop drove a few blocks away to the deserted area behind the park, he ordered Les out of the car. Les should have known he had more to worry about than being sent back east. Les opened his eyes and saw he had almost reached the top. A few more feet and he'd be on level ground, probably less than fifty yards from salvation. Les misjudged his next step and his right foot slid out from under him. His body slammed down onto the sand, his chest and groin scraping along the gritty landscape as he dropped several feet. He turned his head to the side and tried to spit out a mouthful of sand. He wasn't going to make it. The lip of the hill was only five yards up, but those were the longest five yards he had ever seen. Just as he was about to call it quits, he heard someone shout his nickname, Mo. It couldn't be, though. No one in Nevada knew his nickname. Ever since he was a kid, everyone had called him Mo. Not his mom or sisters, of course. They always called him Leslie, which he absolutely hated or Lester when he was in trouble for trying on their makeup or stealing their clothes. 
but all the kids at school called him Mo, as if they knew something he didn't. Les crawled toward the angelic voice, buried his hands deep into the sand, and pulled himself up a foot at a time. His shoulders and upper arms twitched like crazy, and he would have scars to last a lifetime. But he was going to make it. That bastard cop had taught him a lesson. That was the last time he'd stalk prey at a park, and he was getting out of Nevada. If he never saw the sun again, it would be just fine with him. With one last lunge, Les pulled himself over the top of the hill. He had made it. Now all he had to do was make it to a store, find someone, get some clothes, some shade, some water, a hospital. But he'd made it. Les raised his head and looked to see which way to go. There was nothing in front of him. Nothing to either side, nothing behind him. No savior calling his name. The desert floor stretched for mile after mile, sand and cactus the only things visible. Les collapsed, barely aware of the blazing sand burning into his cheek, his chest, his crotch. A few feet ahead, taped to a boulder, was a plastic Metro Police Department pamphlet. Les had to concentrate to read the slogan. Cleaning up the community, one criminal at a time. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.